0: Welcome to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. You're listening to Alternative Talk AM 1150. On this fine Seattle summer day, happy summer, everybody. Great day to take your dog for a walk, as always. But please be careful of the heat as the weather's getting hotter. I'm seeing dogs in cars and traumatized on a daily basis by worrying about um, how long has that dog been in that car? When is the owner coming back? So just don't bring your dog on errands if you're going to be going in stores and your dog is going to be sitting in the car if it's hot out, like even above 70 degrees. So just be super careful. Um, Great show today, as always. Um, We've got a guest today uh, who we'll be bringing on in a few minutes. We have Kat Albrecht, founder of Missing Pet Partnership, who will be here with us talking about Missing Pet Partnership and what they do, the wonderful work that they do, some upcoming classes and events that they have going on so we'll talk to Kat in just a few minutes and in honor of this holiday weekend coming up we have a guest um, starting off the show today we're here with Lisa Peterson who is a spokesperson for the American Kennel Club welcome Lisa hi Julie thanks for calling in and being on the show sure no problem and you are calling in from New York
1: uh, that's correct. AKC's headquarters is here in New York City.
0: Great. So um, you said, and I've heard elsewhere too, that the around the Fourth of July is a very busy time for shelters and rescue groups. Um, you know, because of the the dogs just getting freaked out from fireworks, and that's been your experience as well. You have a rescue organization.
1: Uh, yeah, we have the uh, AKC Companion Animal Recovery. It's our uh, pet recovery service. Um, you know, if your dog is microchipped um, and he uh, gets loose, say, during the 4th of July, um, shelter workers can scan them and find out who the owner of the dog is. And our experience has been that the 4th of July weekend is one of our busiest times of the year because of the, um, uh, you know, fireworks and the noise and the and the reasons that dogs um, can certainly um, be freaked out or scared and separated from their owners.
0: Hmm. And how do dogs get separated from their owners at, you know, I know that the presence of the fireworks, but how does that actually happen?
1: Well, a couple of ways. Um, you know, you may want to walk down to the local park to watch the fireworks in your town and you leave your dog, uh, say, out in your fenced-in yard. Um, You know, they may try to dig out if they're scared or try to uh, climb over the fence or maybe um, unlatch a gate, for example, and can get loose. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, sometimes people bring their pets to the fireworks with them, and they have them on a leash, and the owners aren't expecting the dogs to to react in in such a, uh, a, you know, quick behavior, and they may bolt or even pop out of their collar um, because they're frightened by the loud noise of the the fireworks. So they get separated from their owners that way.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. So a good, definitely good rule of thumb would be don't bring your dog to the fireworks. Fireworks and dogs typically don't mix.
1: That's correct. They don't mix. You know, it's a great idea to just leave the dog at home, and if you know that they will be able to hear the fireworks from inside the house, uh, you know, pick a room that's kind of, uh, you know, either in the basement or inside the house where they won't be able to hear as much, and you can also play some, like, soothing music or leave the television on for them so that um, it sort of will muffle the noise of the explosions of the fireworks outside.
0: Yeah. I read that it's good to, like, if they're crate trained, to put them in a crate and put a blanket over it and have lots of um, sort of background noise going on to help drown out the sound of the, the festivities.
1: Right, absolutely. Crates are are great. If your dog is crate trained, um, it's a very safe haven for them. It feels like a den, so mm-hmm. uh, they can be calm and relaxed in there.
0: Mm-hmm. And also, too, um, open windows with screens on them. Dogs can bust through those as well. Um, and And I think something to really stress about this is that when dogs get really freaked out by something like that, they don't act like they normally do so don't assume that your dog will be fine because if you're wrong it's definitely not worth finding out
1: yeah one of the things uh you know you bring up a good point about um, if they are scared or are they in shock or whatever they may get disoriented and and run and panic and then when they stop and calm down they may not realize where they are and they may not realize how to get back home to you so um yeah that is a good point that you brought up
0: and even, I mean, if dogs are in a, a blind panic kind of state, sometimes they won't even come to their owners. If, if you know, the people are actually out and find the dog, I know that there's been uh, rescue organizations out here that, you know, the dogs you know, are like five feet away from you and they won't come to you, kind of depending on temperament of the dog. But they get so, it really is like blind panic and they don't even recognize their own owners.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, they can certainly get, um, you know, really worked up and their nervous system sort of kicks in and and their instincts and and they don't have that trust issue with their owner at the moment. You know, they need to calm down a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. And that does happen when um, pets do, um, you know, run away from you sometimes.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. And um, something that I read online where, you know, shelters do experience a surge of stray pets and that these, just to specify a lot of the dogs that people see sort of wandering around aren't stray but they're actually lost so um treating a dog that you find as actually lost with a home as opposed to stray without a home and that there probably are people out there looking for the dog
1: right you know it's uh if obviously the dog has a collar tag on and there's a phone number you know you can you know call the owner um hopefully, you know, before you may have to bring it to an animal control place. But if the dog has no collar um, and the only way to find the owner might be through scanning it for a microchip, um, you know, you may have to, uh, if you can catch the dog, uh, bring it to a shelter to help bring it back to its owner.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, And one thing, too, is that people often, you know, this might be their first 4th of July with a dog that they adopted within the past year and maybe they don't know, how the dog is going to react to that kind of stimulation so definitely a good idea i think ideally to just be home with the dog um so that the dog isn't going to even within the confines of the house you know do something that's potentially dangerous or cause cause damage to itself
1: right with it with a dog that you um adopt uh, from a shelter that may not have a history you may not know um, what's in the dog's background Um, You know, he may have a a fear of of loud noises, um, or maybe you know that your dog has has a fear of thunder, and certainly um, fireworks would be like the ultimate thunderstorm Mm -hmm. and be very frightening to the dog. So, you know, it is a good idea, to, if you can, you know, stay home with your pet, um, just sort of continue in your normal routine so that the dog doesn't think that something weird or scary is going to be happening. Um, You know, just hang out with your pet. You know, kind of maybe, you know, brush him or pet him or, you know, watch TV with him. Just you know kind of carry on routine um don't show that you're worried or scared that something's going to go on and it will certainly give the dog confidence to relax
0: right have you found that there are some products um you know there's lots of products that are sort of calming or marketed as calming to the pets like herbal remedies or something like that is there something that you recommend that has worked well
1: you know there's a couple of things that um I've used on um, my own pets that seem to work. Um melatonin is certainly one of them. Um to calm a dog down and that's uh you know an herbal remedy that uh you can ask your vet about the dosage for um And that would be given, you know, maybe a day or two before the 4th of July, uh, so like tomorrow, (laughs) to, uh, you know, help calm them down ahead of time, just, you know, kind of keep them at ease. Mm -hmm. Um, Another uh, remedy that I've um, heard from people uh, with dogs with thunder phobias has been using um, peppermint oil. And just a tiny little drop on the pad of the dog on each of their pads um, seems to also have a very calming effect um, prior to thunderstorms. So that might be something else that um, dogs owners might
0: want to try. Oh I hadn't heard of that. So is that directly on the paw pad or like in between yeah. the in between
1: Just a tiny little drop on the big pad just kind of rub it in there it just kind of gives them a, a calming effect um, you know I don't really know why it works but I've seen it work with dogs. Um, mm-hmm. you know my, my friends have tried it other experts have tried it and it uh, it does seem to help.
0: Mm. That's good to know and there's a and you know an important thing with that as well is if you are going to use a product, For your dogs, for fireworks, especially with something like fireworks, you know, before they're going to start, like you said, to start tomorrow and not wait until the dog is actually in a state of panic, because then a lot of times if they're kind of already elevated, those types of things won't really be affected.
1: Right. One one um and, and you know, when you um when the dog is starting to get nervous and anxious it, it does kind of build. I've noticed with dogs that, you know, you can give them a treat and say they always like to eat, but if they get really nervous all of a sudden they'll stop eating. So mm-hmm. you know, they won't take that treat or they'll they'll um, you know, get into the panic mode and that's something you want to avoid. So, um again by keeping a calm routine and maybe, you know, a day or two out if you're gonna use a melatonin or work with your vet, there's also a an um, you know, a prescription drug as well, I think it's called that, mm-hmm. um, you know, for severe cases, working with your vet might help to do it ahead of time. And then just really, you know, keep life as as normal as possible. You know, maybe exercise your dog, um, you know, before the fireworks. So he's expended some energy and he'll, you know, feel relaxed um, at the home when the fireworks start to go off.
0: Mm-hmm. And you have dogs. Yes, I do. (laughs) What kind of dogs do
1: you have? I have uh, Norwegian elk hounds. Mm -hmm. They are um, uh, used to track um, moose in in Norway, um, and they are, um, you know, a a Nordic breed, very rugged, um, very independent thinking, can um, also be very stubborn dogs, but extremely loyal to their masters, and um, I absolutely love mine. I've had them for um, 25 years now.
0: Mm. And do they care much about fireworks? (laughs)
1: You know, it's an individual dog thing. I have some of my dogs um, don't care at all about it. Others um, are very sensitive to loud noises. So Mm -hmm. um, even within a breed, um, it it can be an individual thing.
0: Yeah, for sure. And are they in the uh, working group? Working group?
1: The Norwegian Elkhound is in the hound group. It's um, in the hound, okay. Yeah, they scent track their their um, their prey, the moose. Um, they don't actually take the moose down; they just help out the farmers who hunt moose for their food. But um, yeah, they look like uh, a Siberian Husky or an Akita or Malamute. There's that Nordic Spitz type breed, but mm-hmm. um, they're they're classified in the AKC hound group.
0: Great. Well. Lisa, thank you so much for being on the show. This is really important information for people, and um, I really appreciate your time.
1: Sure, absolutely. Anytime,
0: Julie. Okay, thanks a lot. Mm -hmm, Bye. 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 All right, let's bring Kat on the show. We have Kat Albrecht with us, who is the founder of Missing Pet Partnership. Hi, Kat. Hi, Julie. Welcome back to the Dog Talk Show. Thank you. You've been here a couple times, uh, one of our first guests way back in the beginning. Yeah. So, it's great to have you back now, for those of for those people out there who don't know about missing pet partnership, one of my favorite local organizations, um, you were a you are a former police officer and um, bloodhound handler, correct? Correct. And so tell us about uh, missing pet partnership and just a little bit of an intro to the organization.
3: Well, we were founded in two thousand and one uh when I was living in California um, prior to that, I had uh been a police officer, bloodhound handler, and lost my bloodhound back in nineteen ninety six He escaped from my yard and was lost in the woods and I called the sheriff's department to ask them to come and help me find my missing police dog because a j had helped them on a lot of missing person cases but they said, we can't. We're only sanctioned to look for missing people. We don't look for lost pets Mm. or even lost police dogs. So I was on my own. I called my friend that had a golden retriever that I had helped to train to track missing people, and we scented her dog on my bloodhound's bedding, and uh, her dog tracked down my missing bloodhound and found him in 20 minutes. And and that was a life changing moment it made me ask the question i know how to train dogs to find people why aren't we training dogs to find lost pets and over the past 13 years it's evolved into uh training volunteers um and trying to develop volunteer lost pet search and rescue teams um both locally here in the seattle area and ultimately nationwide
0: Mm mm-hmm and you have uh written a couple books but uh, one of them that we talked about in a previous show is called the Lost Pet Chronicles and it uh, is like a um what is it called autobiography when you yeah, write it about yourself yeah a yeah. Mem- memoir yeah, yeah. about uh, your journey and and how you you know through uh becoming a police officer and and then doing um scent tracking work and uh some you know i just vividly remember your stories of you know f- being basically pulled by a dog uh through brush and you know finding uh lost lost people or escaped criminals and all that kind of stuff is very exciting and a very good read i think i read it actually um on an airplane and it was just it sucked me in it's a wonderful book it's called the lost pet chronicles and uh where can people get that book if they're interested
3: um it's it it is available in some libraries. It received really g- good reviews by the American Library Association and, and Publishers Weekly. And uh you can now find it on Amazon dot com or any other I mean if you Google it you can find it out there. Mm-hmm. And um it's just no longer available in bookstores. It came out in two four.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So it um but yeah, I wrote uh that was the first book, then the second book I authored is the uh, called Dog Detectives. Mm-hmm uh train your dog to find lost pets but that's more of like a training guide on how to train a dog to find lost pets.
0: Mm-hmm. And um so you've uh I've known you for a little little while now and um got to experience uh some of the wonderful things that your organization does. And something that we're going to be talking about um in the next segment is what you do around the 4th of July, because this is a, a nightmare for pet owners um, and pets, a lot of pets, because they get terrified by the fireworks. Um, and a lot of animals end up running away. They get panicked and freak out and bolt and will even bust out of what people think are secure enclosures. And so, therefore, there's lots of pets that are fi- end up in shelters that are just out there roaming. And so, you know, what you do is really support people with information and education about the different ways and the most effective things to do, you know, the different ways to look. And we'll talk about this uh in the next segment coming up after this break. The differences differences in behavior of a a dog versus a an indoor cat versus an outdoor cat because they behave differently and this is something that you put together from your experience as a police officer and knowing um, behavior of people who are out there whether it be a, a criminal sort of on the run or someone who's lost. So uh, just a, a wealth of information and the website is missing petpartnership dot org uh, to check that out. I'll post all of this. On the Dog Talk Show website as well, but we're going to uh, take a quick break here, Cat. And when we come back, we'll talk to you about lost pet behavior. Yep. You're listening to the Dog Talk Show on Alternative Talk
3: 1150. Dog of the
0: The Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different protein options, This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m.,
3: thanks in part to the Northwest School of Animal Massage, we cover the world of animals. This week, July 5th, it's Shelter Rescue Sanctuary and Anything That Helps Our Animal Friends Sunday. We'll talk with the Macaw Rescue and Sanctuary in Carnation, Mollywood Avian Sanctuary in Bellingham, Allbreed Equine Rescue in Marysville, plus Serving the Human Animal. We'll talk more with the Ananda Institute of Living Yoga and more on Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right
4: here on Alternative Talk, a.m. 1150. You're listening to the refreshingly different Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m.
0: Welcome back to the Dog Talk Show. I'm your host, Julie Forbes. You're listening to Alternative Talk 1150. And we're back with Kat Albrecht, founder of Missing Pet Partnership. Welcome back, Kat. Thank you. Okay, so there is, if somebody's dog runs away versus their cat is missing, and there's also difference between indoor and outdoor cat behavior, what are some of the differences in lost pet behavior that, um, you know, is important for people to know?
3: Well, you know, what's important to know is that dogs and cats are two entirely different species. They're, they're like apples and oranges, and the, the way that they behave and the way that people r- behave or respond towards finding a loose dog versus a loose cat are entirely different. With dogs, they're often uh, picked up by people that rescue them, Uh, And therefore, your job when you have lost a dog is to um, heavily market your missing dog because most likely somebody has your dog and they just don't know how to find you. And unfortunately, the primary location where the pet owner is searching for their missing pet, which is the local animal shelter, is typically the last location where a found dog is taken because of fear of euthanasia. Mm -hmm. So we already have a very difficult scenario when you've lost a dog and trying to recover it. Um, And so some of the techniques that we use are the giant fluorescent neon poster boards um, that say reward lost dog or uh, we also have volunteers that go out to intersections and do what we call an intersection alert, where they hold those signs up, just like you see sign twirlers standing on a street corner with the, uh, you know, selling a cell phone or pizzas. Um, we also do a thing called tagging. We use neon window markers, and on the back of the owners' cars and our volunteers' cars, we write "Lost Yorkie." Uh, you know bell town and the and the owner's phone number on the back, so that when the owner's driving around town and doing their errands or looking for their missing dog that they're marketing it as they're stopped in traffic or parked their car somewhere mm-hmm. and It's just highly effective uh using neon colors and and being very um visible and aggressive in your campaign to get the message out there that that your dog is missing mm-hmm. Cats, on the other hand, they're territorial. The behavior of a sick or injured or panicked cat is that they'll hide in silence. So oftentimes they're hidden and concealed uh, very close to their home. Um, An outdoor access cat, when it doesn't come home, it means something has happened to interrupt that customary behavior of the cat coming home. And and it's just imperative that the owner gets into the neighbor's yards, with their permission, of course, to look under and in every hiding place where the cat could be injured, sick, or, or trapped. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one thing to ask your neighbor to look for your cat, but your neighbor is not going to get on their belly and look under their house for your missing cat. But that is where your cat is most likely to be, and that's what, the type of search that you need to conduct And then finally, with indoor-only cats that escape outside, those are displaced, panicked cats. They typically look for the first place that they can hide, where they'll feel safe and quiet, and they often stay there. And one of the primary ways to get them back is using a baited humane trap. Mm -hmm. And our website just has a wealth of information and testimonials from people around the country, even other countries, that have read our advice and instructions, um, followed those, and then got their their missing pets back home.
0: Mm and you know i think that and i see these i've even called people when i've seen their their little flyers up to let them know about missing pet partnership but you know what people do just because i think it's what we've seen growing up and we don't think that there's something else to do but is to you know print out in you know eight and a half by 11 regular white piece of printer paper with a you know dimly lit picture of the animal that says missing pet and then in fine print more details and to put those around the neighborhood which are which where there's less traffic and so you know one of the biggest things and I saw after last 4th of July when you guys had a booth and we'll talk about this in more detail in a little bit but you had a booth actually at the Seattle Animal Shelter helping people and assisting people who were showing up like my dog is gone and you know, I, I don't know what to do, and I'm just checking the shelter because that's what I think feel like I'm supposed to do, but um, those signs and to you know the five what was it five five fifty five
3: correct yeah
0: so so what is that what are those numbers significant that means to?
3: That you want to use five words that people can read in five seconds when traveling fifty five miles per hour you want to put instead of eight and a half by eleven white flyers that people, first of all, don't notice, second of all, can't read when they're driving. Um, you, instead, you want to replace them with the giant fluorescent poster boards that say, like, Reward Lost Dog Black Lab Red Collar mm-hmm. and your phone number, and mm-hmm. that's it. But because when I say those words, Black Lab Red Collar or White Poodle Blue Collar, you can picture that in your mind. So you want to use large, 95-size font uh, in, in big words that people can read so that they can get a visual image. And if you can include an a, a eight and a half by 11 blown-up photograph of the dog that's big enough for people to see as they're driving by, people, the neon color and the size of the sign attracts the attention. You get the message out to all the vehicles driving, well, not the vehicles, but all the drivers mm-hmm. <laughs> passing through the area. And that, that is mass marketing the, the lost dog. Um, and, and the way we discovered that was after I read a book, um, I would read uh, Temple Grandin's book, Animals in Translation, and she had mentioned another book called Inattentional Blindness, mm-hmm. and, and the theory is that there is no perception without attention, meaning if you don't notice something if it doesn't capture your attention it's, you don't perceive it it's as if it's invisible mm-hmm. so when we have people that are talking on their cell phones and god forbid texting while driving mm-hmm. they are they are not they are likely not even going to notice the fluorescent signs cuz they're going to be glancing up or they're going to be barely paying attention to what's in front of them on the roadway yeah But So you have to do something drastic to get the information out there. That's why we do the protest or the the neon colors, and somebody standing and holding a big fluorescent lost yellow lab sign on a street corner will grab more attention than even just a stationary sign.
0: Mm -hmm. And these are effective. I mean, I was noticing these popping up from the exposure that you you know had or the, the, all the help that you were giving people I actually saw these signs up and i knew that they must have been in touch with missing pet partnership or visited the website or were at the booth and there was actually a successful uh recovery right around my house of of a woman um around the fourth of july so why don't you tell that story it's pretty amazing
3: this was uh, this one gives me goosebumps, and I just blogged about this on my blog. And this was a story of Margie and her missing dog Odie. And um, Margie lived in Port Angeles, and she called us uh, Missing Pet Partnership on July third last year. And Odie had already been missing, I believe, for or no, I, I'm sorry, I lied. She called on July fifth. Mm-hmm. And Odie had already been missing for three days. He escaped before the 4th of July. She had uh, was she was in Seattle at the Veterans Hospital visiting a uh, sick family member, had left Odie in her car with the windows partially rolled down, and he got out. Mm. And she just felt helpless. So she was calling us from Port Angeles, and I told her, just come to the Seattle Animal Shelter. We'll, we'll tag your car. We'll give you some free posters. I could tell in her voice that she didn't want to or she was ready to give up, and I said, just come, just just come and we'll give you the posters. When she came, we tagged her car with the fluorescent, uh, and that her picture of her uh, tagged car is on our website in the slideshow on the home page. And we gave her, uh, actually we gave these to you, Julie, for you to help us go and post these uh, the, the flyers for her because she was elderly. And um, she came back the next, she called us or came back the next day and had Odie in her arms. Odie was found mm. seven miles from the VA hospital. The owner of a house that was seven miles away had seen this dog living in or hiding in the bushes under their in their backyard, but they couldn't get to the dog. The dog wouldn't come to them. But when they drove to work that day, they just happened to work near the VA hospital. They saw the sign that Julie had posted up and called Margie, and Margie got her dog
1: back.
0: And this was a type of thing where, you know, you really get into the human psychology around yeah. Finding a lost pet and it's like you know there's stories that I remember that you've told me of people whose dogs have been gone for months or cats yep. have been gone for months. Yeah. And to just not give up and the reason why they were reunited is because the people didn't give up.
3: Exactly.
0: And the the uh I just how hard that must be for people to to not give up hope and to keep trying and you know how just emotionally draining that must be but that's in a lot of cases what it takes because i think i heard you say the minute that you stop searching the you know likelihood that you're going to get your pet back drop significantly. it just plummets. Yeah, yeah. yeah
3: the, the probability that your animal will uh, be reunited with you plummets the moment that you give up and stop searching and you know, uh, I mean, I sh- I do need to plug here microchipping and and tags because obviously there are a lot of reunions that take place where you know dogs and cats have been missing for years and and they're reunited because of of microchips. But there are many microchips uh, people pets that are out there that are chipped, but their registrations are not current. There's mm-hmm. obviously many more pets that are out there that are not even microchipped. But grief avoidance is this is one of the human behaviors that we teach in the the MAR the Missing Animal Response course that that we teach. That that talks about the human behaviors, the behavior of the owner, oftentimes, you know, r- r- dramatically reduces the chance that the animal will end up back in their home. I mean, that's why we have so many animals that are in that strays. We call them strays, but a good majority of them are lost pets that were not found, or that people gave up on, or didn't know how to search, or didn't know how to catch a loose, panicked dog. We just found a terrier here in Federal Way. It's a purebred terrier. We know. That it's somebody's pet, and we're trying to backpedal and find out who this dog belongs to because it's been seen running loose for almost a month. Mm. uh, When we had a huge windstorm, so now we're calling the breeder of this terrier and trying—I mean, trying to track down any breeders in the area that would have known who may have lost this. uh, It's a red terrier. I won't give any more description than that. But if anybody knows anybody who lost a red terrier within the last month in the city of Federal Way, they can contact us.
2: Mm.
0: And I know. Uh, for dogs um that they can run quite a distance and that a lot of times it's like you, you know, put up the the fluorescent posters and then you get a hit and somebody calls and said, oh, I saw this dog, you know, over at this intersection. And so then you go and you move and you put them up in that intersection and then you get, oh yeah, I saw somebody, or I saw this dog uh, you know, two miles down the road over here and then you go and you put up the the posters over there. And so you kind of follow the leads that you get until it ultimately leads you to the dog, or to to somebody who has captured the dog or the animal,
3: correct. And it and it you know it depends on the behavior of the dog. I mean, obviously, if it's not a skittish dog, but it's a friendly dog that comes up to someone, then that makes it very easy, and those dogs are easily recovered. But it's the ones that have the skittish, shy temperament, and we have uh, we've had a pretty good re- record of recovery of those dogs. Not all of them, obviously, but you know one one case that we worked that was featured on Evening Magazine in the It's featured also on our homepage, there's a picture of a Bernese Mountain dog there, is a a dog named Sophie that we spent seven, it took us seven weeks to capture her, but she was a dog that originally we used the fluorescent posters, we got a possible sighting, we confirmed it by setting up a a feeding station with a surveillance camera, caught her on tape, knew it was her, and then just began putting a a bucket of water and food out every evening in the same spot. And can, and she was living in the woods, but would run from us. But we ended up, you know, devising different ways, and ultimately did capture her. But other dogs, we we had a case just this last month where it was a, a rescue terrier that had been uh, that had been uh, pulled out of a puppy mill situation, and that we brought out our tracking dogs. We tra- we had good sightings. Our tracking dogs did an excellent job in in picking up the scent, and tracking the dog in the first couple hours of it being out, but. After that, then we were getting sightings all over the town, and ultimately, then sadly, uh, we did recover the dog. It had been killed on I five, but it had traveled quite a distance. Mm -hmm. And they, and they obviously they have four legs and they can go, but sometimes they'll set up and and bed down in an area. And if we can help, if we can facilitate that, and start feeding them, then we can devise uh, and use different trapping techniques Mm -hmm. to capture them.
0: Well, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back in a few minutes with Kat Albrecht, founder of Missing Pet Partnership. You're listening to The Dog Talk Show on Alternative Talk 1150.
2: I finally made the warden my friend. And so he sentenced me to a life of ease, taking care of old Red. Now old Red, he's the damnedest dog that I've ever seen.
0: Pure Air's powerful formula lets you eliminate pet odors safely. It's strong enough to effectively get rid of smells like urine, plus stronger odors like those that can be caused by illness. Pure Air is safe enough to spray directly onto people, animals, or use in the bath or laundry. Pure Air is perfect for dealing with dire situations, refreshing your dog between baths, or just before company comes. Pure Air is the most effective product you can buy to remove stinky pet odors safely. Find it at stores like Mud Bay, McClendon's, and Natural Pet Pantry, or visit their website, pureair.com. That's pure, A-Y-R-E, dot com. I'm Julie Forbes, host of The Dog Show. Pure Air is the only odor eliminator you'll find in my home. You'll love it.
4: Wish your dog didn't hate going to the vet? Wish you were welcomed by a team who cared? Jet City Animal Clinic is an enjoyable respite from the same old thing. Dr. Anderson and her team have created a full-service facility that combines veterinary expertise with a comfortable style. Jet City Animal Clinic is located in Seattle's Capitol Hill neighborhood on 12th Avenue across from Seattle U. Bring your crazy questions, odd ideas, and alternative thinking jet city animal clinic will work with you to keep your furry family members healthy and happy traditionally educated with an open mind call us at 206-329-0253 or email info at jet city animal to make an appointment jet city animal clinic a unique approach to the health care of your urban pet a local family practice jetcityanimalclinic.com.
2: Next week on Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair. Pulitzer Prize winning journalist Matt Richtel explores the mysterious investigation into how technology influences the human mind as told through a real life event involving rocket scientists. Later, animal communicator Tim Link on Talking with Cats and Dogs joining the conversation to improve behavior and bond with your animals. Join us every Monday at noon Pacific on Alternative Talks 11:50 and find past shows at conversationslive.net The natural pet
0: pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals offering eight different protein options,
4: Spread the word. You don't have to settle for the usual talk radio. Now there's alternative talk. Eleven fifty a.m. Got a nose that can smell a two-day trail.
2: He's a four-legged tracking machine. Welcome back to you the
0: Dogs Talk see Show. I'm your host Julie Forbes. You're listening to Alternative Talk, eleven fifty a.m. Cat, I was playing that for Zeke.
2: <laughs> <laughs> she couldn't hear it, but that song is uh, Old Red uh, by Blake Shelton, which yeah. is all about uh, taking care of a bloodhound in jail. Uh,
0: yeah. So, oh, okay. Yeah. He's got a nose that could smell, a two-day trail. He's a four-legged tracking machine. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, well, I, lately I've been blogging about how uh, Zeke is a little thief because he's uh, just recently he's uh got into my... Uh, Olive Garden Eggplant Parmesan and ate it before I had a chance to. So <laughs> He's got quite the nose. <laughs> well,
0: yeah, he's just using his nose.
2: <laughs> the nose nose.
0: Yeah. So, Kat, um, now you did a 4th uh, of July project and um, you're looking to get that set up again. Tell us a little bit about that.
3: Well, what we did um, last year was we set up a, a booth at out right at the uh, Seattle Animal Shelter in their parking lot. And when people came into the shelter um, because they had lost a pet, um, once they had looked for their dog or cat in the shelter, and if they did not find them, then we had them come up to us in the parking lot. And we uh, each person we uh, assisted by giving a free consultation, and, um, we asked them a lot of questions about their particular missing pet and then gave them advice and encouragement and some handouts and free giant fluorescent posters mm-hmm. and with instructions on how to post them. Um, and then we also tagged their car for free. Again, the tagging, you can see pictures of that on our website on the missingpetpartnership.org and we, we used the, the neon fluorescent markers, the same ones that the uh, Washington State Patrol uses when they mark abandoned cars, but we use them to mark up our cars with lost dog information. Mm-hmm. So we we do all that for free. We accept donations, but this is a, a public service that our nonprofit wants to extend because we want to help as many people as possible. What was surprising was last year we ended up, we really were thinking more in terms that we were going to get a lot more missing dogs and missing cats, but it was really almost equal. We had we, we assisted fifteen families who had lost dogs and sixteen families who had lost cats. And then we followed up and uh, three months later to find out what percentage of those animals were recovered and how our information helped and whether whether our efforts or the posters or, or our advice had helped. And we found that eighty percent of the dogs were recovered and eighty one percent of the missing cats were recovered. Mm. With the missing cats, it was really interesting because 77% of the missing cats were found within one block radius of their home, which is exactly the advice we've been giving the, the owners was that, you know, when it comes to fireworks or dogs becoming panicked, dogs run, cats hide. Mm-hmm. So we instructed them that, you know, yes, you want to keep checking the shelter here. However, you need to get in your neighbor's yards or you need to set humane traps or we also rent out dig- digital wildlife cameras. Uh, and have them set up a feeding station so that if the, if the cat is out there and they come back the next and they put food out and the food is gone, they can pull the SD card from the camera, put it in their laptop and look at the pictures of what ate the food. And if they see their cat, then they know the cat is there mm-hmm. and that they can use a humane trap to get it back.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So uh, we want to do the same thing this year. We are in a financial crunch right now, so we really need donations to be able to get and put the supplies in, especially getting the markers that that we need for that. But this year we actually are going to be doing this at the Kent Animal Shelter. Mm -hmm. When we first moved here, or I moved here in 2008, the first year that we were here, we did set up a booth at the Kent Shelter. We didn't get a lot of advertisement done on it, though. Um, last year, again, we went to Seattle Animal Shelter, but this year we're hoping to do a lot of publicity with this so everybody knows, even if you live in Tacoma mm-hmm. or Everett or you live far away, or even like Margie, who lived in Port Angeles, who mm-hmm. drove over to where we were at, got the the posters, the advice, and the tagging from us. Um, we want to help as many people as possible. So the intent is that we will be at the Seattle Animal Shelter on July
0: 5th, 6th, and 7th. Mm-hmm. And that's in Kent. And this Correct. is a great way, you know, to volunteer with Missing Pet Partnership. Um, and I've posted this information on the Dog Talk Show website, so you can re- go to that and uh, and find it. You can also go to missingpetpartnership.org. Uh, but there is a volunteer orientation um, Tuesday, June 15th at 7 p.m. And is that in federal way?
3: actually that's going to be at the kent senior center okay Um, because because even though we're based in federal way we do have volunteers that are up in uh, Bothell, kirkland Mm -hmm. uh... seattle you know we have one of our cat detection dogs is up in ballard another one is on capitol hill so we want we try to be a little bit centrally located at one time you know we were just having a hard time getting volunteers and everybody was telling us "Oh, you need to go to you know bellevue in seattle and So we do train our dogs at Seward Park. We used to train at Luther Burbank Park, but we're pretty much uh, most of the dogs we have in training right now are from Federal Way, and we're all driving up to Seward Park to train, but we invite people to come out and observe Mm -hmm. our dog training and get involved and get involved in the meetings, and and all of that information on how to do that is on our website.
0: Mm -hmm. So you can volunteer your time, um, go to the volunteer orientation, and then actually be at... Uh, one of these booths um, just after the 4th of July. And it is so effective, and it is a service that is greatly needed, and I would love to see them at all of the shelters, um, you know, in years to come. But we need the bodies there. And uh, also, uh, certainly any donation is appreciated, uh, whether it's money, you know, any amount that you can give is great. And also, too, uh, if you wanted to donate some window markers that that, uh, you use to tag cars, and I think you have a link uh, to that on your w- wish list page um, under About Us on the website. Um, so you can even just donate the the supplies that, that Missing Pet Partnership uses and support them in that way, too. Um, and there's uh, in all information on that on your website, missingpetpartnership.org. So I'm going to ask our trivia question now. And the first person to call in and answer correctly will receive a book of stamps to the rescue. uh, Good old USPS stamps uh, that have... First class, right? First class that um, have pictures of actual shelter pets on them. They are very cute, and it's a great thing that they're doing to raise awareness for that.
2: And they are pre-licked for your uh, protection. Yes,
0: they are. They are uh, self-adhesive. Yes. So the question is, there is one breed of dog uh which is the only breed whose scent tracking information testimony is acceptable in a court of law so it can actually serve as a testimony of sorts
2: Now when they testify do they have to put their paw on the bible
0: I believe they do Eric All right I'd like <laughs> And then to they see have that. to bark 3 times <laughs> No uh there's one breed of dog what breed is it whose um Testimony is acceptable in a court of law as it pertains to scent tracking, like perhaps identifying a criminal, yeah. uh, matching the scent on a crime scene with the actual person.
2: In the United States, court of law.
0: In the United States. One breed of dog. It's the only breed whose testimony is acceptable in a court of law. If you can tell us that breed, we will send you out some stamps.
2: And I, I don't want to give it away here, but I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's probably not a wiener dog.
0: No, but you know what? Leia has a fabulous nose on her. We play find it in the house, you know, just uh-huh. hide treats around the house and and then let them out and let them go loose and find it. And she is always the first one to get them. She's like a little uh, treat-seeking missile, low to the ground,
2: so maybe they should reconsider that. Well, she that, is. You know, dachshunds might are, dogs testify, are
0: Doxens are scent hounds.
2: I did not I believe.
0: know that. Yeah, they're in the hound group. So we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back. We'll be back with Cat Albrecht, founder of Missing Pet Partnership, and also a caller who will hopefully answer the question correctly to win some stamps to the rescue. We'll be back in just a few minutes with the Dog Talk Show on Alternative Talk 1150.
2: A oh, a oh, a for
0: a the Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different protein options, This is Julie Forbes, dog training, behavior, and nutrition specialist and owner of Sensitive Dog, thoughtful guidance for you and your dog. If your dog needs basic obedience training, a behavior evaluation, or food consultation, I can help you. Call me at 206-372-7399 or visit my website, www.sensitivedog.com. I teach group obedience classes, in-home lessons, and evaluations, and a two-week intensive training program called Higher Education. Again, I'm Julie Forbes, Seattle's dog Behavior. Behavior training and nutrition specialist. www.sensitivedog.com. Hey, dog show fans! Does something stink in your home or car? Pure Air is a powerful odor eliminator that is the only natural food-grade product in its category. It works on bedding, kennels, litter boxes, urine, vomit, poop, even skunk spray. You know all the fun smells our pets bring into our home. It's so non-toxic that you can literally eat it, a requirement for our home and our dogs. Spray Pure Air on anything you can put water on and let your nose watch the odor disappear. Ask for Pure Air in stores that specialize in natural, non-toxic products for home. Or visit DogRadioShow.com for a link to their website. I'm Julie Forbes, your host of The Dog Show. Pure Air is the only odor eliminator you'll find in my home. You'll love it.
4: Notice anything different? You should. There's no other station like Alternative Talk, eleven fifty a.m. I
0: want a for a dog. We're back with the dog show on Alternative Talk, eleven fifty. I'm your host, Julie Forbes. We have Cat Albrecht with her found, with us, founder of Missing Pet Partnership. Hi, Cat. Hi there. And we have a caller on line one. We have Kirsten in Kirkland who is going to answer our trivia question hopefully correctly. Hi, Kirsten. Hi. What you got?
4: I'm thinking bloodhound.
0: You are correct. Yay! Yay! A good guess. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of the obvious choice, which you never know. But interesting that it's the only breed that they will accept a testimony from in a court of law regarding uh, scent tracking. (laughs) So there you go. A full book of... Stamps to the rescue. Adopt-a-shelter pet animal rescue stamps with pictures of very cute cats and dogs. Not cat, Albrecht, on the stamps, but maybe someday. (coughs)
3: And Julie, um, I will go ahead and throw in an autographed copy of uh, the Lost Pet Chronicle, since it does feature a chapter of my bloodhound, AJ, tracking a criminal in the book. So if you would have Darcy email me uh, her Kirsten's information, I'll go ahead and uh, send her a book.
0: I will do that. Thank you, Kat. It's Kirsten's lucky day. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much for that donation, Kat. It is a fabulous book. I enjoyed it. Very interesting and exciting uh, in the times where you were actually following your dogs through woods and whatnot and finding criminals crouched behind logs and all that type of stuff. (laughs) 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 So um, now you've got some classes coming up. Now, Missing Pet Partnership is on Facebook. You can find them on there and uh, become a fan.
3: Yep, and actually, I just got through posting about an hour ago that we had another reunion, uh, and so that's posted on our, our Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Um, that we um, helped consult on a missing cat in Kirkland that uh, spat the cat, had been out there for um, missing for a week, but we kept reassuring his owner that he was hiding nearby, and he was. He was three houses away hiding in a garage, so, uh, but yeah. We need friends on Facebook, and we need friends to tell their friends.
0: Mm-hmm. And we are on Facebook as well, The Dog Show, and I think must be a fan. But if I'm not, I will become a fan immediately. Okay. And you've also got some missing animal response or MAR courses. People want to learn how and where to search for lost pets. You have some classes coming up. um.
3: All of this information, our entire schedule of when we're having uh, fundraising committee meetings, volunteer meetings, orientations, it's all on our website, missingpetpartnership.org, if you then look under volunteer training slash events. It just gives our entire calendar. Mm -hmm. But, but yeah, we invite people to come out and, and, and become involved. There's also, you know, you can either sign up to be a volunteer through the website, um, and then we'll give you the instructions on, on what to do from there.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, or you can just come to any of the meetings, uh, and then we'll get you paperwork at the meeting and, and have you get started.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and then, as always, you can make a donation on the website, and that's missingpetpartnership.org. You know, even a $10 donation is going to buy, um, you know, some of the window markers to mark cars to help reunite people with their lost pets uh, to help pay for the poster board. All the time you spend um, counseling people over the phone who call you from all over the world who have lost pets, and you do this at no charge to them. Um, But there is a cost to it. There is a cost to running that. So they really need the support of the community to, to continue to offer this wonderful service.
3: We do, and I I would just add that, you know, we have had two major donors, one from New York and one from San Francisco. We just need to pick up people in our own area that understand and support and want this service because we seriously have gotten to the point um, where we're at risk of going under, and Mm -hmm. we, we need support. And even if it's, you know, rather than just getting a couple major donors, we would like to get some people that can just on a regular basis Donate a little money here, a little money there. Come out and volunteer. Get other, Tell other people about us and make small donations. And then as long as we can survive, we can continue to help people and animals. Mm-hmm. It is our passion.
0: Yeah. And you have a uh, book coming out. Well, not for probably <laughs> another year, but, but uh, coming down the pipes anyway um that you've written called what is it bloodhound love
3: bloodhound love it is going to be such a hot book i tell you it is it is a teen romance mystery it's about a 17 year old girl with uh, a bloodhound that she wants to use to track people but she kind of becomes a reluctant pet detective and um it is. I already have an agent interested, and it's. Um, I'm already. I'm actually plotting the the second book in the series. It'll be a a mystery series, and um, so yeah, I'm. I'm very optimistic that it's going to do well. It wouldn't be out for another year from now, but um, we definitely want to get. Um, I, did we mention the teens? I think we hadn't yet.
0: No, had no. Nope, nope, you've got a teen volunteer. Uh, volunteer orientation, especially for teens
3: yeah so we're we're looking we so we want to involve uh teens and we are actually having a meeting um here in federal way on monday june 7th at 6 p.m at the federal way senior center and we're hoping to be able to start the first ever pet detective explorer uh scout team Mm -hmm. and so that'd be ages 15 to 20 and uh it really um it, we could there's a lot of things that we know that that uh, teens are going to be able to help us with and we we want to get this going so that's really probably more for south county area people mm-hmm. but or you know teens but um if they're available and want to help uh come to the meeting on Monday June 7th
0: all right was- well, Kat, wonderful to have you back on the show. Thanks so much for the fabulous work that you do. I've posted all of this information on the Dog Talk Show website. And as always, we are available on iTunes to listen to any of our past shows. If you want to listen to Cat's past interviews, or if you've missed any part of this interview, you can find us on iTunes if you go to the podcast page and just search for The Dog Talk Show with Julie Forbes. And Kat, I'll be talking with you soon. Thanks so much for being on the show.
3: Thanks again, Julie. Take
0: care. All right. You too. So, yeah, those uh, 4th of July, um, 4th of July boosts are amazing and very, very effective. And it's important that she's able to continue to do that. So please donate, if you can, either your time or from your wallet. Well, we will be back same time, same place next week, Wednesdays from 2 to 3 p.m. Thanks for listening to The Dog Show on Alternative Talk 1150.